This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Hey, that was pretty, pretty good. The Raptors defeat the Milwaukee Bucks 130 to 111. A pretty hapless performance from the Bucks. A pretty inspiring performance from the Raptors. You have huge games from Pascal Siakam, huge game from Scotty Barnes, which has been every game so far this season. And just like masterful stuff from Dennis and Jakob in like, Jakob isn't going to, you know, light the scoreboard on fire with scoring, but is screening. He was carving out tons of space for everyone today. OG uh, doesn't miss a shot. The Raptors defense as a whole does a really good job against these Bucks. And at the end of this game, you can look at the numbers and say this is one of the most impressive, um, as far as like efficiency goes, transition games. Many of us will watch this whole season, if not the most impressive from the Raptors point of view, just incredibly efficient. And for the first time this season, the Raptors, they eclipse last year's half-court average in points per play. I'll bring up the final stats. The Raptors, they finish at 102.3 points per 100 possessions in the half-court. Hell yeah. That's all anybody's really been waiting for, is to see the Raptors kind of make things work in the half-court. Yes, they shot the three really well. That was uh, that was super nice to see. They clear 40% for the third time this season, I think. And I mean, like, hell yeah, they had their best offensive rebounding game. Like I said before, they, by the end of the game, almost tripled the Bucks in efficiency and transition scoring. So just to put those numbers into context, the Bucks are scoring 0.76 points per 100 transition possessions. That's terrible. Horrible. We'll get into why that was happening. And the Raptors, 185.7. That's almost like... A layup every time. A made layup every time. The, the really impressive efficiency. One of the best performances we'll ever see. I'm Samson Folk. This is the Raptors Reaction Podcast. Here to join me. Oh, my guy. My dear pal, Trevon Heath. How you doing, Trey? How you feeling after that? I, I'm good. Like, after the Portland game, I was like, this, this close from losing my smile. But then they brought me right back in. Shot the lights up. The smile. <laughs> I'm happy. Big win, big win. Okay, we haven't heard that much from you about Scotty since the season started. Not only do we have a big Scotty game, not only do we have the get off me move he pulled off on, the same one he that he did to Kevin Durant. I'm sure people remember in clutch time, Kevin Durant started sliding over. He said, get off me. Finished with a dunk. This one on Giannis finishes with a layup. He gave Giannis the Giannis. See you later. How do you feel about him right now? Scotty, the star boy. This is probably like the first five games is probably like a 90 percentile plus outcome that anyone would be expecting. And the I think the really promising thing is that there isn't a, 
a stat where you look at it like, oh, like this isn't super sustainable. Although he's shooting the three probably at a higher clip than you, you think over a long period of time. It, he's slinging it, yeah. man. But adding into the game, he was still shooting 30.33 throughout for the season. So that isn't like he isn't he isn't shooting at a 40% clip. That might go down to like 30, 31%. But he's getting he's getting to the paint when given opportunity. He's pushing the ball when when he grits the rebound. And I think the beautiful thing is that he is really invested in punishing anyone who's smaller than him when given the opportunity. Now, that's led for him. For him, it's allowed him to get easy opportunities. His scoring is has become in bunches, and he's kind of sleepwalking into twenty points every night, which is which is cool. Now it's kind of feeling normal, so I'm super excited. He is. This was maybe the best game to illustrate all of the Raptors' greatest strengths. You see, I'll try and list them. You let me know if I miss any, and I'll let you know if um. If you have any interesting ones coming back, I suppose. But you have Pascal dominating the half court in a way that we're probably not really going to yeah. see again. Having Pascal go five for eight from downtown, almost strictly on just running like horns, pick and roll, having him flare out and catch above the break and can it. Like this is a play you'd run for like Clay Thompson. Pascal was gunning an unbelievable yeah. amount tonight. If he can do that. You know, the, the offense doesn't have that much to worry about if he, if he's that type of shooter. He isn't, but for tonight, he was. Um, you had low post touches where the Bucks were really lazy doubling, really lazy rotating at the back end, and the Raptors found open threes. You had OG Ananobi, not the highest volume, but just like uber efficiency, something that a lot of people are comfortable with in his role. You have OG, you know, suppressing shot attempts from another star. You have Scotty Barnes sleepwalking to 20, massive on the glass. You have Jakob Pertl finishing everything in the lane. And my goodness, you have Dennis Schroeder being played at the point of attack yeah. with lock and trail defense. And the Raptors are also setting those screens really high. So he has a bunch of space to get wide, open up the middle of the paint for Jakob as a roller. Like, that was about as good as anybody could hope for from this game. Oh, and also... You have in the first half, Pascal, Jakob, Grady, Gary, and Dennis, they score 17 points across five minutes as a transitional bench lineup. That's what you wanted it to be. The Bucks, I I have like almost nothing good to say about them. Giannis was uncharacteristically terrible. My goodness. I, Dame was really bad. Brooke Lopez looked like he didn't care about anything at all. This Bucks team is a lot better than this, but you play who's in front of you. And the Raptors, as far as strength of schedule, you know, 40 games into the season, this is going to look like a game that they earned. And so, like, hell yeah, they did their thing. Am I missing anything? I, I think it was good to, to see Otto in the lineup. It just, like, having a consistent shooter who also, like, maintains their size just allows them allows them to have tenable, like, I won't say tenable, have respectable um, half-court offense. Um Jalen struggled through the first three or four games. Uh, he didn't play today. Um, and you you would think with Precious being out, you they would ha really struggle in those small ball lineups where you saw Scotty was at the five in a lot of those possessions. But they were grabbing the ball and pushing the pace to a, to a point where the Bucks were super uncomfortable. And he held his own on the glass with Brooke and, and Giannis. So I'm – Looking forward to seeing more Scotty small ball five because I think it's more effective than I thought it would be heading into the season.
so a really fun number we talked about it on the live podcast basically the big one that we did where you know big shout to the raptors republic and all the people came out but the raptors pushed on almost 50 percent of the timberwolves misses that's how they kept their offense alive despite having a terrible half court game in this game the raptors pushed on 31 percent of the bucks misses that's not like a crazy high frequency but against the bucks a big team who does like to get back well maybe not this season (laughs) but historically i mean the transition defense has been a mess this season the raptors their points per play off of missed shots from the bucks two two that is that is insane the raptors like if the bucks missed the raptors came down on the other end got early offense whether it was pascal finding like something to do in early work carve out a post up if it was scotty finding a seam to take it all the way to the rim this is a big reason why he's sleepwalking to 20 points right is always being able to identify off a live dribble is there a lane for me to kind of exploit and get all the way there and then also shooting you know taking a big step from three which is really nice it's just like damn things are going well and then also you just have shooter shooting the hell out of the ball you have the terrible point of attack defense from the Bucks, especially like with, with some of those step up screens where they don't get to play at the level that they want to. Like they're, the Bucks, sure, they made a little bit of a change where they started playing deeper drop, especially after, you know, they they get they play a little bit too high. Dennis turns the corner because a guy like Dame is dying on every screen. Schroeder gets downhill, gets wide, easy layup, easy, easy layup for Jakob on the other side of those things. And like, Sheesh, man, they just, they beat the brakes off this team. And another thing, they rebounded a lot of their own misses. Um, In the half court, they rebounded 44% of their own misses. I know, you know, I'm not typically like the stats reading them off guy. I'm more of an X's and O's guy, but the stats are very compelling in this game. So just like super happy with that performance, man. I, I know like Drew Holiday's not there anymore, but they got to the they got to the rim far more than I expected in this game. And you saw like when there's actual rotations happening, there's free buckets for for Jakob. He played a lot better. He's able to crash the glass a lot better because now Brooke and Giannis are having to deal with actual rim pressure. And when you're hitting shots, it 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 bodes really well. The Bucks had to make some adjustments. So if I think Grady's jumper is going to positively regress he's been a elite shooter his entire life if you have guys like Otto in the lineup as well if he can maintain his health and some of our other guys like pascal og their shot positively regressing and maybe not this night but uh an average type of night for them is a 36 to 37 for og side from the three that allows you to actually create rotations because the what you saw in the portland game is that they're driving and passing without actually creating any movement. Portland's defense was way better than the Bucks' defense. You know what's crazy? Brooke played less than 17 minutes. Giannis less than 28. Middleton like 17. I know he's on a minutes restriction thing, but we're mostly playing after really stepping out to that huge lead. You're mostly playing the Bucks' bench. And the Bucks' bench had a much higher compete level than a lot of their starters, for yeah. one. And But the Raptors just completely cut apart predominantly Malik Beasley and Damian Lillard, who had no idea whether it was Dame or Beasley to kind of stick at the point of attack, dying on screens, super sloppy in trail positions, not rotating properly if they're sending guys to kind of block off the lane. I'm really 
really disappointed with the game we got out of the Bucks tonight. This was such an easy performance for the Raptors. Like, yes, the shooting was really hot for stretches, and we've seen the Raptors, like, start out games 8 of 8 from 3 and lose. They start out really hot in this game. They got the volume from the guys who they don't always get the volume and efficiency from. Pascal, 5 of 8 from 3. Scotty, 4 of 6 from 3. These things are not always something you can count on, certainly. And the fact that they only got one three-point attempt from OG is a reflection of how they got a lot of their shots. Yeah. And that goes back to the the transition, which we talked about. Like, my God, man. Having OG shoot 100% from the field is not really a reflection of half-court offense. It's like, oh, OG was getting a lot of dunks out on the break. And Pascal shooting almost 70% in this game. You know, Scotty 8 of 16, because Scotty actually in this game, a lot of those end of shot clock possessions come to him. It's like, okay, let me see if I, I try and... uh create something out of this it's just very impressed the raptors geez man like you look at 56 percent across the whole game super impressive barely even needed to get to the line this was a fast game i mean i'm impressed i know like people only complain about free throw numbers when the game is close and you're like what the hell but the raptors went to the line i think 14 times the bucks 38 and nobody cares about that discrepancy because the Raptors just made every shot in transition. They made every shot after pushing off of, you know, live rebounds. Yeah. And they shot well from three. It was it was a there's, super fun there's, game. There's, there's, there's not much to, to take away other than the vibes are good. Hitting shots are, are really fun. I, I think an interesting nugget, and you've kind of seen it throughout the entire season so far, is that most teams just don't simply have the wing size to match up with a Pascal, Scotty type duo, and the best advantages we've seen is when they throw the ball into the low post. Even if you don't have the requisite shooting, it forces a rotation just because Scotty's getting two or three bumps and getting to the rim. Do you think that's going to be uh, a a bigger focus into the offense, being that Scotty's a great passer out of those? Or is that just a modicum of like, what? that's all they have right now? Well, to be honest, the Raptors in this game, what was it, like 60, 70% of their made threes came from Pascal and Scotty yeah. anyway. Um, most Basically, most of the Raptors' threes in this game came after offensive rebounds, or they came as a result of the Raptors bringing the ball up the floor. The possession that they started the game off with where Pascal walked it up. They tried to initiate a horn set. The The Bucks just fronted it, and then Pascal just started dribbling again after he picked it up. I was like, oh, good Lord, man, what are we doing? But then Pascal's not the, the trigger man anymore. He's the guy. He's the top horn on the left side. They just run pick and roll with him. He slips out. It's a disguised flare from Pirtle. He's catching and making a three. I don't know if they can bet on that all the time. Yeah. We've seen it a little bit, and we saw a variation of it tonight, right, where Pascal got that inverted Euro and hit that layup, I think, over Portis. It was after he came off a flare, went downhill, and that's because the corner was empty on the one side, so not technically a horn set because both corners have to be filled, but the Raptors tweaking some stuff. There's a But honestly, the three-point shooting helps a ton, and having Dame and Beasley guarding Schroeder helps a ton like there was that one play it it ended up being a two-pointer but Schroeder hit the corner two-pointer had his toe on the line where Pascal was at the 45 not even really in a dangerous position and Malik Beasley came over to double and Schroeder just filtered to the corner 
and Beasley lost yeah. him. Was like, oh, where'd he go? Where'd he go? You can see him, like when they did the slow mo. He he didn't know where he was, and then Pascal's just like, okay, let me give the ball to Shooter, who's wide open. I couldn't believe how wide open he was, just filtering over there. The guard defense on the Bucks. They, 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 I gotta they, say, to go from to Drew to this, <laughs> this is not, not no. This is not the Bucks of old, man. Like they're obviously opening game for the Bucks, Dame goes nuts, yeah. right? Like that was also a thing that confused me. The Bucks are just what not trying to run that much pick and roll with Damian Lillard. Dude. Oh, like and don't get me wrong, Dennis did an awesome job burning clock, pushing them, making them reject and try and rescreen and like all do all that kind of stuff. And like Dennis is really good at snake like doing the stab step yeah. around screens or getting that arm in there and kind of like sliming his way through. They hardly ran a thing for Dane. It's it's why did you trade for it's him? It's odd because you would you assume that the offense was going to run through Dame. We're gonna use Giannis as a screener a lot more, put him in more two-on-one situations, and he's just going to thrash the NBA. It looks like well, that's, they're making Giannis still the hub and they're making Dane play around him. Sort of like he's like I said it in our chat, like he's Jameer Nelson of Dame's Jameer Nelson and and Giannis is the the thing, which one is insane. possession they spent nine <laughs> seconds, nine seconds yeah. without moving the ball, trying to establish Giannis on the not even the low block, the mid post. They couldn't get the ball into him. Eventually, Giannis swim move, spin. They lobbed it off the backboard. Giannis corrals it. He gets fouled going up or on the floor actually. And I'm like, what the hell am I watching? What are we doing here? You know? And if if Chris Boucher and Malachi Flynn and Grady Dick, those players, can link up for Malachi runs a pick and roll, the Bucks blitz the pick and roll, short roll pass to Chris Boucher, Chris Boucher draws the tag, Grady Dick times his cut perfectly, you get a man's jam from the blonde bob, Okay. How, the Bucks didn't make one of those plays, and they have Damian Lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo. What are we doing here, man? What? Who? Like, I I get it to some degree. This is one of the worst games the Bucks are going to play this yeah. year. Like the the Raptors did run into that Bucks team. I don't know. They ran into that Bucks team, man. But also, even still, what the hell? It was so feckless, you know, like a. A middle ages word for someone who just has nothing going yeah. on like something you'd hear like you know the term fail son yes. it's like you fail son you are the feckless child of a tyrant like you will the empire will burn yeah. under your hands what are we doing with this offense what is the point of having good players if you're not going to put them in positions to succeed nobody on the bucks tonight was put in a position to succeed especially like what you're going to make Giannis post-ups the hub currently when the Raptors are one of the best teams over the past like five years at fronting posts up, burning clock to posts ups, and shading to posts ups, like it's no wonder Giannis. And I know somebody commented earlier; I can't remember who their name was, but they they pointed out that Giannis has been bad to start the season. Um, NBA wide writer Joe Wolfond has said as much, and he watches a ton of it. I've only seen two Giannis games to this point, and he was bad in the first one. But like this game. 
does not define the Bucks. It doesn't define the Raptors either. But I left this game feeling quite puzzled about what's happening in Milwaukee. Oh, it, it's it's super odd. Um, like heading into the season when they said, you know what, Malik Beasley, he's getting he we're calling his number. He's gonna get the best player every now. I was like, huh, that's that's strange. But like when you look at their actual roster, like they have no other choice. And Dame was dying on screens every single play. The possession where they bring Dame back out, screen him again, and Dennis walks into the walks into the lane and gets a layup is ridiculous. The best defense Malik has played was on Scotty Pippen, man. Like, come on. <laughs> what are we doing, man? They so they they obviously, I'm going to assume, will have a trade deadline addition. Yeah, of course. Um, we, we've seen a lot of teams with top-end talent um, add. We have one comment from Jordan Brown Burton who says, losing Drew and Javon Carter will sting. Hey, amen, brother. You know exactly what you're talking about. And we have a paid comment. We always appreciate the paid comments. Thank you for donating to the show. Um, from Ali Dez says, the chemistry between Jakob and Shooter is great. Bang on. Yep. Um, that one pass? Oh, my yep. God. You know that You know that um, Michael Irvin? Yes. That nom, 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 nom. And he says, like, and then with the one-handed stab for the grab. Uh, that was like Shooter. He's got that 6'9 wingspan. He's got those big hands. He lays that thing out there. And then, whew, just tosses it behind his head. Jakob's coming down the middle. Even Siakam hit, hit Jakob yep. on the roll a couple times. So this is like this, this game. I can't believe how bad the Bucks defense was. Given the personnel, I can't believe that, man. But um, like, not much to take away from this yeah. game, except that the Raptors played their best game of the season. You took a really hard matchup in Giannis Antetokounmpo and three words, OG Ananobi, threw him on him. Not only that, but OG with that lower shot volume, he was also playing above the break a lot. He's the first guy back on defense. The Bucks having just a putrid, terrible night yeah. in transition. A lot of that, there's a heavy correlation to the guy back there. Isn't like Gary, who is stationed above the break a lot. It's OG. People know there's a bit of a difference there as far as like, okay, how do I navigate the guy standing in front of me? Um, it's tough. So, and then, yeah, go ahead. It's off. It's odd. One one thing I think we didn't mention. I I know the box score shows that Grady didn't shoot the the ball well. He played fantastic. He all the little things that you would want from a rookie in order to earn minutes. He's excelling at them. It's the team defense where he rotates, um, blocks, he stops penetration, then then peels out and then defends the actual three. It's him attacking space when they do gain an advantage, maintaining that advantage, hitting the open man, trying to score in the lane. A lot of those are going to convert later in the season, in year two, year year three, when he's gains more actual weight. And a, a shooter who's that good is going to start hitting 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 shots. The fact that he's been able to sort of steal that rotation spot, play with with the starters, and be a positive force like bodes really well in the in the pick and him scaling towards the the end of the season to maybe even starting or being in closing lineups for the team so i'm super impressed with how he played and how he's been able to like maintain on the defensive end so something there's a bit of a parallel here not in how they actually play but just being able to implement themselves yeah. scotty when he came into the league right the expectations 
I think roundly was like people thought definitely below 10 points per game in his rookie season. He was considered like a flat defensive prospect and an elite passer, not somebody who's going to, you know, score a bunch. He obviously had 15.3 points per game in his rookie season. And a lot of that was because Scotty did such a good job implementing himself in all the kind of like hmm and ha parts of the game. Like he's a great finisher, yes, when other people create for him, but also like taking advantage of everything in transition, making timely cuts, eating on the offensive glass. That's how he juiced his numbers. Grady, if you believe in the shot, you have to be super impressed. Like how did this guy come in and get eight three-point attempts up? In, in you know, like 21 minutes. How has his, you know, three-point attempts been so much? And it's like, he's not being gifted shots. He's running around like a whirling dervish trying to get to spots on the floor, trying to create not only space for his teammates as he cuts and fills and drags defenders because he can, because his reputation yep. precedes him, but also when it's not one for eight, when it's a game where it was like four of five, four of six from downtown, those games will come. I look at that volume, and even though it's 2 of 10, I don't want to gas it too much because it is 2 of yeah. 10. But you look at that volume, I think you should be, like, super, super encouraged. And, you know, you get your first dunk. <laughs> it's nice to get that first dunk in there. And he took a charge. He did. Very, very Carl esque And Lewis pointed this out before. He The possession before that and one, he reaches in. With, with Giannis, that's not the ideal defense. The next possession he goes, he gets a, a charge. It's it's those little things that are going to be able to let him play over a Jalen McDaniels, for for example. And if those relocation threes start hitting, the Raptors are going to be in a space where they have optimal shooting when they run those like Scotty 5 lineups or Pascal plus bench lineups that can be more tenable and allow the bench to actually give the starters a break because uh, the first few games that haven't been the greatest. Would you give your body up to a Giannis charge? 100%. I feel like I could take a Giannis charge. One on you're, you're, you're like big for a regular guy. For chat and people yeah. listening, Trey is like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, in, in the middle ground. But that's that's you're, you're Malachi out there, bro. <laughs> I weigh more than Grady. I, could, I feel like I weigh more than Grady. Let's see, actually. He has really thick calves, man. Like he's not built for a hundred meter dash, which the last time you and I had, I won that race for what it's worth. Wait, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for the tiebreak whenever you are. This weekend. Um, but anyway, so let's let's talk about Otto Porter Jr. The man who found his toe. There's a play. Yes, he hits the corner three. That was really nice to see. Yes, he almost hit one where Scotty just had to throw it to him and he had to try and bail him out. It rims out. It's like, damn, it's nice to know, you know, in the heat of the moment, you just toss it to him in the corner. He can get a compelling attempt up. But Otto Porter Jr., offensive rebounding rate, offensive rebounds per game for forwards and wings has been, over the past decade of the NBA, one of the very best. This was something I talked about the moment they signed him is like, and obviously we didn't get much last year, Eight games, and the Raptors, we all know what happened last year. But uh, Otto, for a team that wants to offensive rebound and get a little bit more shooting from their wings and have a guy who has presence of mind to like, hey, we're running an offense here. Let's try and make something happen. The identification after tipping it out to himself, seeing, I can't remember who came running towards him, if it was Malachi, saying like, no, we're getting this ball to the middle of the floor. We're not keeping it on the side. Dribbling it out knowing he's drawing a guy, 
just taking that in, leaving it for Barnes, who is in, at that point, the middle of a decent shooting game. The shot goes up. It's a made three. To kind of put a nail in the Bucks at that point, who were making a run with with a decent stretch of shooting from downtown. So, like, that presence of mind is always great to see. He he only played, you know, like 15 minutes. He didn't come in and completely change the, the fabric of the game. And, like, my goodness, man. I just really liked Otto's minutes. It makes you it makes you believe in uh, a better rotation going forward. Probably, I don't know. How do you how do you feel about that? I, Otto's presence like gives you a, a sense of versatility that keeps shooting on the floor and still maintains size because he can like both operate as a big and as a wing in certain lineups while being a spacer out on offense. And I think putting him in in those type of actions where he's at the top of the key and allowed to make decisions. That's better than putting Jalen where we saw like he was struggling making those decisions the first few few games and allowing him to set the pace, allow the bench to work off of him and have someone who's going to be able to play, that Scotty's going to be able to play off with, Pascal's going to be able to play off with as well, as long as he's, he's healthy because shooting on this team is definitely um, uh, a premium right now, could be a very few. So if he's able to stay in the actual lineup and be a, a solid wing, he's a we've he's was on the championship team with the Warriors. He's a top of the line bench wing if if healthy. So I'm super excited that he's scaling up to hopefully getting more minutes. That's what everyone thought they were getting last yeah. season. Like he he really was from the hypothetical look at how he fits into the Raptors playing. He was such a wonderful fit with what the Raptors wanted to do. It's like you don't have to sacrifice anything, any of the strengths you love to lean into, mm-hmm. and you can get a guy who's going to be a considerably better shooter than anybody you were playing on the wings last season. That doesn't happen. He has to work himself back into shape. We've kind of been saying to you know fans who, well, me in particular, like fans who are asking, hey, what's what's happening with Otto? Like they're just working him back into shape. It looks good tonight. I, I was happy with him. And who knows, once things start ramping up, the Raptors start messing around with more lineups, I guess we'll see. But there, there were a couple transitional lineups that I really liked. Somebody I want to talk about a little bit, Jakob Pertl. Um, you you had a, a pretty good tweet the other day, at the Arsenal fan TV. <laughs> it's time to go. Um, not about yeah, Jakob, yeah. but kind of talking about, uh, I, won't, I won't paraphrase or anything. Jakob had a really tough game against... Well, just a couple really tough games. What have you made of Jakob flipping the script and against a front court of Giannis and, and Lopez really holding it down? I I was super impressed. Like, if there was going to be a, a game where he, his struggles were continuing, it would have been this with with two of the better rebounding bigs in the league. I think it just goes to show that if advantages can be created, Jakob is, uh, has the ability to finish when him and Fred are operating together. Last season, he was a solid finisher in those situations as well. And he's been, kind of been put in an unfair situation where he's running a lot of these high posts, top-of-the-key looks, where the Raptors are running a split action for, say, uh, Pascal and Jalen McDaniels, where absolutely no movement is being created. That gets busted. He's They're passing him the ball back in a lot of those situations, and he's not a true threat to – take the ball and put it down on the floor and actually score. So it leads to a possession where it's uh, a long Pascal Siakam three and no actual positive offense is happening. If the Raptors are able to shoot at an NBA, a respectable NBA level, 
and get to the rim, I think he's still going to be able to have some of the same success that he had last year. Yeah. Let me take this opportunity as well, because I've gotten a lot of questions over the past, since the start of the season. 0.5 basketball is not a system. The Raptors run Princeton. They run a ton of dribble handoffs. They run pistol. They run flex. They run a ton of stuff. But 0.5 basketball is not a system. You are not creating any plays out of 0.5 basketball. You could say they're doing continuous screening and passing. It's kind of like this Euro ball type thing. That's fine. But 0.5 basketball is just an ethos that kind of guides what they're supposed to be doing. Work quicker, pass the ball a little bit more, move it along. But there's nothing built out of 0.5. It's just like, for example, I wrote about this in the summer. The very first summer league game, Jared Jack is on the opposing team's bench. He's yelling 0.5, 0.5, 0.5. A lot of coaches preach this stuff. The Raptors in this game, they played quick. The pace was really good, but it wasn't through Jakob as a hub handoffs. They did more high pick and roll because schematically and personnel wise, they had Malik Beasley and Damian Lillard standing on the other side. There was a lot to gain from that. They also went to a lot more low post touches with Siakam, especially in the early going to get kind of, you know, an idea of what Giannis and Brooks help principles were. And so the Raptors found something they could attack in this game and went to it more often. So point five, because I see people after every game, like after last game, like why isn't Pascal fitting into the point five system? Why isn't X or Y doing the point five? And it's like, that's not what point five is. Point five is like a binding ethos, but they still have to run the right play. They still have to run a play that gets a player an advantage. Tonight, they got a lot of advantages from Dennis cooking in the pick and roll. This was Dennis's, like Dennis was great in the Minnesota Timberwolves game. He led the Raptors in scoring. He had a couple late scores. I think he had two threes in the fourth quarter of that game. He was, and, and his defense was awesome. This game, not only was his defense great, but he was, for this game, really the hub of the Raptors offense. Like Pascal yeah. still took more threes than he did two-point attempts. Yeah. The Raptors, like, you made the point that the Raptors, like, getting to the rim, they hardly got to the rim in the half court in this game, but they got to the rim so often in transition, and, like, overall, they didn't get to the rim much, but they shot almost 90% at the rim. It's just being really selective, taking what's there. And so having a game where, man, Dennis can lead your offense is something that you should really cling on to and be happy with. It's not going to happen every game. And this is what I said before, man. I was like, I hope people don't get upset at Dennis when the offense isn't going yeah. well. Nobody in their right mind should ever expect a mid-level exception guard to come in and lead your offense out of the doldrums. Dennis tonight did. You take this game, you tuck that away, you say, hell yeah, Dennis. And then when the other games don't go that well, and he's maybe like not providing a ton of rim pressure, and he's still giving you everything he can, he's burning clock defensively, you remember what it looks like when there's an advantage for him. A lot of what players do is based on what the other team is capable of forcing them into. Pascal was forced out this game. He ended up going 5 of 8 from 3. Last game, it was 0 for 6 from 3. Yeah. Sometimes shots go in, sometimes they don't. The Raptors still have things they need to figure out. But for this game, they found the thing they needed to. They kept pressing go on that button, and they exploited it. This was a really fun watch for me. Um, I'm sure people want to talk about Flynn 
it's always people on the periphery that there's always like, you know, people are like, Hey, you know, what's going on here? There's some people are like, Flynn has a shot. Give him a stretch. See where this goes. Some people are like, cut it. It's over. Forget it. Do you exist in the middle or on one of the extremes? It's over. It's over. over. Um, you, it's not even the result. It's the process of everything that's that's happening on the floor. Is for three seasons now, he, he hasn't proven to be a good enough shooter to to actually manifest like the amount of attempts that he takes. And when he gets into the paint, there isn't the necessarily the purpose and the ability to actually finish in the lane. So he isn't actually being able to use his biggest strength, which I think is pick and roll decision making and making passes out of there. Because no team actually expects him to score and respects him. So there is no rotation or advantage being created in those situations. And you're you're putting yourself in a, a situation where if a guy isn't a threat to shoot from three and to drive, he's simply just not being guarded. And the Raptors already are dealing with a situation where they have several players on the court that aren't that simply don't warrant um, actual any attention off the ball. I would much rather those minutes go to Anato, Grady, guys like that, even giving Javon Freedom Liberty a, a chance, someone who actually has some pop and some spark that with some off the dribble stuff to see what he has. I think we've kind of seen what Malachi can and can't do, and I'd much rather put our other players in a in a better position than maximizing like his backup point guard usage. We have a we have a comment here that says, "What happened to this team is trash." Something that, you know, Trey and I preached before this season was, well, we were asked for our win predictions. I think we were sitting between 40 and 44 wins between the two of us. We expected an elite defense, really good transition offense, and a really bad half-court offense. Um, This team is tracking almost perfectly to what I thought they would be doing. Um, Scotty has been better than I can imagine, so I'm more positive about this team. And Grady has really applied himself quite well. Pascal, um, I've been disappointed in the amount of usage and downhill momentum the Wings have been able to get consistently in the half court. Um, they they're mostly left alone to try and make make it make their money yeah. in transition. And and Pascal, there's he's left some stuff on the board in the half court. I think also the offense hasn't been designed to get the most out of him. With and even not at the cost of anybody else. I just don't think it's been very clever. Um, the Raptors. I I feel more optimistic about them now and after last game against Portland too than I did at the start because Scotty's leap has been so substantial and Grady has been so good. Those are the pillars, yeah. you know, yeah. like, you know, Jakob, Jakob is under contract. He's meant to support these guys as they grow. We'll see what happens with OG. We'll see what happens with Pascal. But the guys who you're building around to the future who determine because this team isn't going to win a championship now. The the guys who will determine kind of the ceiling in the future, who gets paired with them, those guys are trending positively. We talked about Scotty at the front end, but maybe we can revisit it. 8 of 16 from the floor, 4 of 6 from downtown, 12 boards. And just quickly, 12 boards, man. Oh, again, again, 5 on the offensive glass, 5 assists because he's out in transition. It's easy peasy. He's going to get a couple post-ups where he gets, you know, the double from the bottom. It's an easy lay down. He's going to have a couple drives in the half court now and again. And like, 
two blocks, once again, playing lower in the defense, a steal, 21 points, plus 14. He He's having the best year so far of the vaunted 2021 draft class. We're five games in, but that is a big deal. This this is this is probably his best five game stretch of his yeah, career by by far, and I expected like a scoring uptick just by like by virtue more of, possessions yeah man. virtue of more yeah. possessions more usage. What I've been like super impressed is is the defense. He's an actual force as a rim protector, and he can block shots at the perimeter. He can create chaos in in actions. And I think he's found his sweet spot as a low man defender. And Pascal has thankfully beautifully been able to support as a wing defender. And the Raptors defense is we basic the big thing that we've been preaching the entire summer is if they can be a top five defense, that's when we look into that we can potentially make the playoffs because neither of us thought they would be anywhere close to being uh, the 15th or 16th ranked half court offense. They're right now the worst. But I think the shooting will ideally regress positively and the, the defense will stay the same because they have – Dennis has been absolutely great as a point of attack defender and puts tons of pressure on guys. You saw Dame didn't have the greatest game. And they have really long defenders that give people rough nights. And there hasn't been a game where you said, this team is scoring at will on, on the Raptors currently. I, they have a really good stretch against several teams. They, they play – the the Sixers tomorrow, who Embiid had a great game. I'm really interested to see if they continue to trend up offensively in the half court, if they can get to 95, 97 points per possession. Is that going to manifest into more wins and being more competitive against like the higher scale teams? Yeah. We saw them beat the brakes off of kind of a hapless yeah. Bucks team on the second leg of a back-to-back. The Raptors are in that position tomorrow. And Dennis, after, you know, Dennis, how, how many minutes he played tonight? 28, 28 yep. not that heavy. You know, he had to spend a lot of that guarding Dame, admittedly, but not that many possessions ran through Dame. You might expect Schroeder to be able to give Maxi like, another really good go. And like I said, after the 76ers game, even though Maxi went, like, inferno, I thought that Schroeder's defense was really good on him. Sometimes offensive stars make shots. And the same thing with Embiid. I don't think that the Raptors are going to be incredible offensively tomorrow. But I think they're going to bring their launch pail, and they're going to bring their defense. And if they play the same matchup, the same style, I don't think that Embiid and Maxi shoot like 60-plus percent on their jumpers, which they did against them in the first round. The Raptors, if they can get out in transition enough, and they play good defense, They've, they've got a shot tomorrow. And that's that's like the, the guiding ethos of this team is push pace when we can, defend like hell, lean into our greatest strengths, and we'll see. We'll see where it is. And so we have a comment here from David Parkhill. He lost Maxi for open threes far too many times. A lot of Maxi's threes come after somebody collapses the defense. So like that's after a rotation. Now, Dennis is a guy who can fall asleep. But also, Maxi is a guy who hit, I think, three of his threes against the, the Raptors were pull-ups, and particularly off of pick-and-rolls where Joel Embiid is his primary screener. There's no shame in getting stuck on an Embiid screen. That is one of the largest men in the whole league. And if Maxi's going to hit a fading-to-the-left pull-up, 
three, like the only guy in the NBA who hits three pull-up threes a game is Steph Curry. If Maxie's doing that against you, if you can, as Dennis Schroeder, force Maxie into the Steph Curry performance, then it's just a Steph Curry performance, man. And you just gotta like, you gotta, you gotta be witness to it. Um, I, I just, I'm excited to see that matchup because I didn't think, because Maxie was just incredible. And I thought Schroeder was pretty good. And we'll see if it can swing back to where it's like Schroeder had an incredible defensive game and Maxie was pretty good as a response. That's something I just really can't wait to see. Um, from Simon, we have a stat that says Maxie is shooting 91% on catch and shoots. Okay, Trey, this is such a compelling stat. I have to look this up. You got to take over the pod, talk about something while I go poke around on this. I'm pretty sure he's, he's telling the truth. I think... No, I'm not doubting it. I just need to <laughs> No, no, that's okay. Uh, I think big things t- tomorrow, just because I doubt any of the Clipper guys are playing in the game, is if the Raptors can win with their bench and exploit the fact that they're going to be undermanned. I, I wonder if they're going to respect Maxi enough to start actually trapping. You saw in the last game, they were committed to, if he hits the shots, they're going to tip their cap. And he actually did. They put a lot of attention on Embiid. They were they were pinching really hard on on him and Maxi hit tons of pull up threes. He was able to maintain advantages that Embiid actually gave them. I wonder if the the biggest the key would be <laughs> yeah he's talking about you. Uh, biggest key is trapping Maxi, seeing if he actually is the the point guard that they're trying to develop him in and make decisions to find other guys other than Embiid. Because I think what I would do is trap and then shade towards Embiid and see. And let Tobias Harris decide the game. So, big shout out to Simon for this statistical poll. Maxi has 3.7 catch and shoot three point attempts per game. He's hitting 3.3 of them for 90.9%. Now, Maxi is one of those incredible players who we've seen in the past shoot above 40% on catch and shoot threes and above 40% on his pull up threes. 91% is beyond the pale. Are you insane? <laughs> 91 that is unbelievable man i love tyrese maxi he's one of the best players to watch in the league but 91 that's cracked <laughs> that's nuts yeah. okay we have a, a listener comment from nesta quote what are your thoughts on darko's staggering scotty and pascal in the first loved his rotations tonight with the exception of boucher and flynn playing together end quote okay so we talked about this a little bit we got a great um, there was good outcomes on two of these lineups, right? So you have Jakob, Pascal, Gary, Grady, and Dennis. They scored 24 points across 30 possessions. They won their minutes, um, a seven-minute stretch by nine points, huge numbers, and they had really good offensive process. There was a decent amount of space. And keep in mind, we talked about um, we talked about how bad the Bucks were particularly in the pick and roll defending at this game, that wasn't just for Dennis. They also had trouble containing Pascal in this one in some of those traditional plays as well. So having Gary, Grady, and Dennis spacing out for Pascal and Jakob, those actions was really fruitful. And so that was something that was really great. We also got OG, Chris Boucher, Malachi, Scotty, and Otto, which was an interesting pairing for four minutes tonight. And so they had 15 offensive possessions. They scored 10 points. They only allowed six. They won their minutes by four. Four minutes, you know, and that, that's the thing. Like, 
these sound like small wins, but over the course of a season, good lineups are built on like, hey, we won the four minute stretch by four minutes. That's that's what builds a good lineup. And so to see the, that stagger kind of go well, like, and then obviously OG was a super big factor in that because you also have Chris, Gary, Malachi, Scotty, and Grady, and they lose their three and a half minute stretch by six points. This isn't a death knell for any of those lineups. This isn't praising them as the end-all be-all. It's loud statistical noise. It's small sample size theater, but there's some nice things to lean into. What did I think about the rotations? I, I was impressed with the early stuff. I'm excited to see if they're better tomorrow, kind of following tonight's script against the 76ers team. That's probably going to try and bust their ass again. Like, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, they got a lot versus the Bucks tonight. Like they got a lot of easy looks. They got they got looks to go down tonight that they're probably not going to get to go yeah, down as often it's, tomorrow. It's, it's hard to take a lot of the stuff away from this game just because like everything worked from from the shooting. Yeah. They got they were able to get in transition. They how rebounded the Bucks. I think this is just a game where you just take it and like remember when we kicked the Bucks ass early in the season. Uh, tomorrow will be a really good test. Um, if they can slow down and beat, if they can slow down like a dynamic girl like like Maxi, and it's the second night of a back to back, and the defense like maintains the level that they that they have for the last five games, they should have a shot, and it should de- go should be a close game heading into the last five minutes. And if they're able to hit some shots, I w- I would like to see if they can they can pull out the win and what Scotty and and Pascal like manifest in those actual situations because we've only really seen it in one game in a a real close type situation what type of offense and what's like their money plays that they're going to go towards we had the ghost screen last year but i we don't have a sense of what that is for for darko so that's what i really want to see heading into this not just tomorrow but the this stretch of the debris these really good teams that they're going to be facing and also like they're i don't know if they finished up the it's 10:25. They might have just finished up the interviews, because um, like it's coach Darko comes in like around 10 minutes after the game ends. Sometimes it's five minutes. Sometimes it's like 15 to get your first player. Sometimes it's like 10 minutes after that. I've there's been cases where it's like an hour. It probably won't be, but they're gonna finish the interviews. They're flying to Philly right now. Then they gotta sleep and then they gotta get up there again. And we watched the Raptors lose to Philly. Yeah in a game where they shot 53% from downtown. So Philly, the same way that against the Bucks, the same way against basically every team, the Raptors haven't been able to sniff the rim in the half court. If they break through in that way against Philly, I think that is the most tangible process that they can take forward. We'll see if it happens, but it's... This team has really been hanging on to three-point variants through all these different games, and they have to hope they're elite defense. And it's elite. It's going to be elite all year. Um, carries them through like some of the low points and all that kind of stuff. Um, it did carry them against the the Trailblazers, like ninety-nine points. That's that's not a bad defensive performance in two thousand twenty-three. It's it's really good, but they just have to score the ball more. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Philly should be a pretty compelling game. I mean, is there any, is there anything you're looking forward to? Like, did any matchup kind of pique your interest? Like we talked about Dennis and Maxi. 
Um, I have to think Precious won't be available yeah, tomorrow too. either. They're probably going to give him like, man, like a week, week and a half, two weeks, just like let the groin get back good. Because, uh, you know, when we talked to Darko a couple nights ago, he had mentioned that it's lingering from early October. So like groin stuff is pretty finicky. So they're, we're probably going to see it. It's not going to be Precious guarding, you know, Embiid. And Precious has guarded Embiid really well. Um, it might be more Boucher, which that, that might be tough. Yeah. Uh, I think biggest matchups on our side is who the Sixers decide between Tobias and Oubre, which I'm assuming is going to start with PJ gone, is going to guard their wings. And whether the Raptors can exploit that enough, especially in like low post situations where there's somebody too big for both of those guys. And if that can be able, if they're able to manifest advantages through that, those situations. Because if you have Kelly Oubre on Scotty Barnes, you should give him the ball 10, 15 times, establish dominance, establish in the post. Hopefully that draws Embiid and they can actually create some some points out of out of a quick dump off, three-point attempts, and Scotty weaponizing his passing from there. Yeah. I'm I'm very interested to see how tomorrow's game goes. Um today's game went really wonderfully. Yeah. Um, we have from Nesta, how are Scotty's stocks for the season over 3.5? He's at 3.4. 2.4 blocks a game, which is absurd. It's insane, yeah. man. When I made the Scotty prediction, I was like, man, a block a game is a ton for a guy on the wing. Like, it's heaps of blocks. 82 or whatever the hell, maybe it's a guy plays 75 games. That's a lot of blocks from the wing. Scotty's starting out, I think he has 12 on the season right now. <laughs> incredible he's playing lower in the defense he looks the best defensively he ever has and um yeah uh, the steals you know he was at 1.1 his rookie season 1.1 um last season he'll probably hang around there i don't think he hangs around 2.4 blocks i think if scotty is between like 2.2 and three stocks you're like over the moon and nesta as you predicted like 3.5 you know, when we talked the, the first game at the Raptors Republic party, um, 3.5 is super optimistic. But if Scotty does do 3.5, he he's going to be an undeniable candidate for uh, an all defense team, like especially for the Raptors being this good. Those sheer numbers are going to pop in all of the like impact metrics. They're going to pop when, you know, like the 62 year old beat writer in Cleveland is like scrolling and he's like, who am I going to vote for? You know, what's this look like? He's gonna be like two and a half blocks. A steal, oh like, you know, and and maybe he looks at the rebounds too. Like that's how Andre Drummond gets a defensive player of the year, <laughs> you know. Vote. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Scotty's putting himself in a a really really good uh, a really good position. Um, before we get out of here, most of these streams have been around like fifty five minutes to an hour. If anybody has any questions for Trey before we get out of here, um, feel free to ask him, and uh, we'll dive in. But Trey, before we kind of look into reader questions, anything on your mind, basketball-wise, before we get out? Uh, basketball-wise, um, I would say basketball-wise, like if we're, I was to pick an MVP right now, it's probably Luka Doncic. I, you look at their, you look at their <laughs> roster, and you you see like where's the big man up? Although Derek Lively's probably been better than anyone's expected. There's not much. He's been awesome. There's not much at, at the wing. And he's continuing to find ways, whether teams are trapping him high, whether they're sending help late. He has an answer for every single defense that you that you can find. 
and it's still producing through through those situations and literally carrying their team. I I think we're kind of heading into a, a flow where the the Lucas, the Tatums, the the SGAs are the ones that are going to be competing for MVPs the next five five years, give or take. And the the twenty ten stars slowly start fading out from like stardom, which is kind of shows how old we are, but really cool to see. That was my first like oh, I'm kind of yeah. old, was for the longest time when you're watching basketball, you think of prospects as older than yes. you. Yes. And then once prospects were younger than me, I was like, oh, this is new. Because most of my life prospects are yeah. older. And then once it's been like five years of prospects being younger than me, I'm like, ooh. You know, like when I talk to Grady yeah. and I'm like, this is a young man. I'm like, ooh, I'm an old man. And when, you know, when the hairline goes, it hits you a little bit faster. I know you don't have those problems. We got those problems <laughs> over here. Um, we have a, a comment from David Parkhill watching Mavs Bulls. Now, what do you think of Lucas Satchel? Haven't seen it, but I'm pro Satchel in general. I think Satchels are, are cool. Um, from ND, what are our Gary thoughts? Been kind of sad to watch, LOL. So we had this joke um, just personally between – we talk basketball. We talk every day. And I, I made this joke about, um, oh, Lucas Stash. Okay, I got to look at this. Wait, while I talk this, please try and go pull up a picture if you can. So anyway, if there's a Stash, ooh, I'm pro Stash as well. Yeah, um, it did say Satchel, didn't it? Anyway, um, so anyway, oh, the exclamation point looked like an L. So anyway, we're talking about Gary. Gary, as far as like being a catch-and-shoot guy, who catches in rhythm after Pascal gets doubled. Gary was in such a comfortable spot in last year's offense. He's getting long closeouts from doubles where he can pump and go and find a rhythm jumper. He's getting wide open catch and shoot looks. He just has to form up properly. He just has to shoot. That's all Gary had to do. Offensively was very comfortable last season. This season, there's more onus on Gary to make progressive plays with a live dribble as a playmaker and somebody who is given like the ball to say, Hey, move us through an action. He's struggling with that a little bit. And as a result, I think he's a little bit out of sorts as a, as a jump shooter. It'll come back around. He has to find his way. Um, The same way that every player currently is kind of like adapting to the new reality of how the Raptors are playing basketball. But that's kind of my, that's my thoughts on Gary. But Gary, yeah, like as far as if this was a year for Gary to bet on himself, if the rest of the year goes this way, he's going to be like, damn, yeah. that's tough. I don't think it will. It's been a bad start for him, but it's also a, a change. Last, of- last season, he had a rough rough start too, and it positively regressed. Um, it's interesting because in the preseason, we both mentioned it's great that he's being empowered with the ball. He's making better better reads with the ball in his hands. And now it looks like he, he's he's biting a bit too much so that he can chew. The preseason is the land of Delano yeah. Banton, man. Don't we know it? It's it's rough when he gets the ball in the paint. Right now, he had that floater that he has is, is a quality shot, I would say now. But anything outside of that is an inefficient possession. Once he passes the three point line, he doesn't have the the lift to finish as a. <laughs> to finish in the lane as a finisher, you we see a lot of these transition possessions because of that. And the shot for him to be effective, 
He can't. He's heading into the game and shooting 35% from three. He can't shoot 35% from three. He needs to shoot 38, 37 to be a tenable player on, on this team because he's going to be asked to be the play finisher on a lot of these possessions in order for the Raptors to gain spacing. So it's super important for him to, to play well. Or there's a chance that Grady or an auto slowly starts to eat away at his minutes because the Raptors cannot afford to have their shooters not be able to shoot because they already have three non-shooters playing 30 minutes a night. Okay, we have a comment I love from Neil B. He says, IQ talk is a dog whistle. I don't want anyone to feel bad if they use the term basketball IQ, but there are people who are trying to transition the term to feel instead of IQ because IQ in general, like the intelligent quotient, um, it's rooted in some pretty crazy, you know, race science and stuff like that. So a lot of people are trying to kind of like abandon that. Um, I did a podcast with a neuroscientist talking about feel and like court mapping and neuroscientific chunking and stuff like that. Feel, if anybody wants to kind of make that change from using IQ, um, that's that's great. Use feel. Like they have a great feel for the game. They make great decisions. Um, that's that's really great. And I think it makes more sense in the context of basketball anyway. Um, so, I, hey, I'm never going to be like, you know, you'll hear Chuck and Kenny and Shaq and all of the biggest commentators say basketball IQ. So I'm never... Um, I'm never going to like, you know, reprimand people, but Neil, Neil B is saying something that I think is, um, is great. Um, yeah. Feel instead of IQ is definitely better. And I think fits the context of basketball talk. Um, what a great way to end this by me getting on up on the pulpit and saying, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, I'll, I'll find one more question and then we'll, we'll get out of here. Um, Sam, can you do a comparison of Gary and Grady's off ball movement? They seem like polar opposite approaches to similar actions. This is, I maybe this is something I'll write a piece about, but just like watching it so far, is that Grady typically finds his space by switching the play. And there's like a, Gary forms up, whereas Grady makes like these super aggressive cuts through space. Like Gary will float, he'll lift, he'll shake, and like he'll do all that kind of stuff. But a lot of his movement into space is like, shuffling side to side that's how gary gets open he's just forming up it's good that's what you're supposed to do as a mover yes but like grady is a guy who's like i see a spot 40 feet from me i'm gonna go get in that spot because nobody's there right now and maybe if somebody follows me there then i dragged somebody with me and then he's like and now that i'm over here and they're there i actually see another spot i'm gonna go see what i can do over there and while i'm running there hey, a shot went up, I'm going to tap the board out, I'm going to run back to the spot where I was, I'm open, I've got to look. Tonight it didn't go down, but like that's how Grady finds space. He's covering way more ground than uh, Gary. And so Gary's is like simpler and all that kind of stuff, but my goodness. Um, and Grady's is high, high level, man. Um, there's a reason like Bobby Webster came out immediately after Grady was drafted. Um, we were at the Raptors Republic party, <laughs> Trey, Trey, th we talked about Grady yes. a lot in the lead up. Like we did, we talked to scouts. We, we did like film dives on him and we talked about Grady a lot. We were very excited when his name came off the board with the Raptors, Trey bellows out in that big, 
Messiah's back, you know, like is a big glorious yeah. moment. So, and then Bobby Webster on the other side is at the OVO center with some of the more responsible beat reporters that are there where I was just with my friends watching <laughs> with the community. And Bobby Webster says, we don't consider Grady like an off ball player. We consider him in a league of his own off the ball. He, he is his movement very cerebral terrific feel for the game tremendously high feel for the for the sport of basketball so he he does an awesome job um really really happy with with grady and yeah he moves differently than gary for sure and i prefer grady's style of movement to gary's but grady's is a lot more unique and you know gary does a good job moving off ball i i don't really have qualms with with gary it's just grady is like next level man um i think over the next little while we're gonna have um some really interesting people to come and talk about the the raptors offense over the next i kind of want to let it simmer for the next like five games see how it's developing and um kind of take it in stride but we'll have some unique basketball um some people will look at basketball in a unique way kind of to talk about what the raptors have been doing um i think that's it for like questions we'll take Trey, does that feel like a good place to yeah, like we, to leave the, the show? Yeah, we did, we the, did thing. the thing. That feels good. Um, to all the people I see you repeatedly in chat, like I see you every night. I see people who are in here. When I came home from the arena, it's like 1 a.m. You guys hopped on with me. There's a lot more people tonight because it's right after the game. It's not 1 a.m. Just people coming in and spending time with us. Really cool to see. We appreciate the hell out of you. Um, it helps us if you, if you like what we're doing over here, feel free to subscribe, um, at raptorsrepublic.com. It, that's the paid subscription. That's how you get my written work. Um, if you have the means, we appreciate it a ton. The free subscription YouTube page. We love that. We're trying to get to 10,000 subscribers. Cause why not? And before you get out here, like the video, because that helps push it to other people who will hopefully. Uh, end up enjoying this conversation between us. Trey, my brother, anything you want to say? Please shoot like this tomorrow. I'm 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 begging. <laughs> It'd be nice yeah. to see. And just as a heads up for anybody, 43%. That's what Scotty's currently shooting from three so far this year. That's pretty good. <laughs> what would what he shoot? 29% last year? 13% jump? Obviously, it's probably not staying yeah, there, but he makes you think it maybe wouldn't be a jump from 29 to 31, but maybe a jump from like 29 to 34 or 35. Maybe, that's, that's, that's what that's what it's making me feel like. <laughs> and um, he has such a you can see his handle or not. You can see his pickup change. Like sometimes it's catch high, keep high. And he he's kind of like, you know, the guys who come to basketball late in life and they just have such a straight up and down yeah. jumper. He reminds me of that. Like, he just keeps it so steady. Like, his legs, there's a lot going on, yeah. But up top, he's just really straight up and down. He has tremendous touch. He's been progressing well. What what a start for Scotty. That's that's a fun time or a fun thing to leave. Um, I see there's, there's a spat going on in the comment <laughs> section. I'm going to end this thing. So, you guys, if you want to make up, you better do it now. Or you guys, you know, you'll be back here tomorrow having the same argument. Thank you to everybody for tuning in. The people who are listening on their walk, um, the people who are listening currently, whatever it is, thanks for tuning in. My, my brother, Trey, thank you for hopping on. And 
whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.